welcome to the STEM Economy with your host, Matt Bender. The sky is falling, Judgment Day is here, the crypto crash is happening now, line goes down, and this is an emergency episode of scam economy and oh right i don't hold any significant amounts of crypto whatsoever no well hello everybody my name is matt bender and if you are not in that position and you do hold a significant amount of crypto you're probably wondering what's going on hell even if you don't hold any crypto you're probably wondering what the hell is going on i too am wondering a little bit what the hell is going on the crypto crash that has been spoken about this isn't you know a little ebb and flow a bad day on the crypto market tomorrow will be a brighter day this is uh the big one the crypto crash is happening now how bad it will be is anyone's guess but it's definitely bad and so i decided that we had to quickly get this episode together i'm gonna do a quick uh patreon plug patreon.com slash matt bender to support this show scameconomy.com to find all of the links to this show the podcast version of this show apple podcasts google play spotify leave reviews if you can now at the end of last week's show i said that molly white of web3 is going great was going to join us again to talk about the wikipedia community's big win against cryptocurrency but obviously a topic more timely has just come up right now right now if you invested in bitcoin at any point over the past hmm, about year and a half or so since the big crypto spike when cryptocurrency you know went mainstream in 2021 early on if you invested in bitcoin at any time during that past year and a half or so you are currently underwater it is bad and you're probably wondering what is going on and joining me now to discuss this it Wait a minute. You're not Molly White. Oh my god. It's it's Bennett Tomlin from the Crypto Critics Corner podcast. Yep. Unfortunately, I'm not Molly, but I am glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And um uh for a second I thought maybe hostile takeover. Uh but uh <laughs> no, I did indeed invite you and uh sorry Molly. Uh, you're, you know, Molly will join us. I'm going to regret doing this again, aren't I? But Molly will join us next week. <laughs> you know, you, I think I think people need to understand that in the ho- highly volatile world of cryptocurrency, uh, the shows that cover it must also be highly volatile as well. <laughs> occupational hazard (laughs) yes yes and no one knows more about the occupational hazard we're going to be talking about today well that's a lie there's probably one very specific guy who knows more right now because he's he's not doing too well and we'll talk about him in a little bit but you bennett tomlin 
interestingly, I, I, I got to ask you, I guess, first, um, how much have you made so far from shorting Luna and Terra? Uh... Zero dollars, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm just an armchair critic, not an active shorter. Because for people who are unfamiliar, uh, Bennett and his show just recently released a, sh- a episode on Terra and Luna. And not only that, you've actually written, you know, you do a lot of writing on crypto and you've been reporting and writing about uh, the issues with Terra and Luna for, for quite some time now. Is that right? Yeah, at least the last several months I've been covering Luna more heavily. Uh, and then we did post our episode like two days before it just catastrophically failed, which we can't take credit for, but worked out really well for us. Right. I mean, listen, if I were you, not only would I be spiking the football, but I would be, uh, you know, getting fined by the NFL for uh, excessive celebration. Yeah, I I have been perhaps doing a little bit of dancing on the grave on Twitter over the last couple of days. <laughs> and rightly deserved, let me tell you. Now, for people who are just tuning in, they've probably heard at least, I mean, it's been in the news, even mainstream media, you don't really have to pay attention to crypto, but you've probably heard the broader story right now, and that is the crypto market is absolutely tanking. And, um, you know, crypto has its ebbs and flows, and it's gone down and up before, but this is one of those ones that people will be remembering. Uh, Can you explain uh, what's going on or what we understand so far about what's going on in the overall crypto market? Sure. Um, The broader crypto market has seem to have been affected by a de-risking of the markets as a whole, right? As the Federal Reserve has been raising rates, as the monetary tightening has gone into effect, and we've seen investors across different sectors start to de-risk and change their investments, we saw a lot of contraction first in the equities market with um, many large cap stocks on NASDAQ and stuff starting to go down. And along with this, we've seen a variety of cryptocurrencies start to go down. This has now started to be amplified by the fact that what was previously the third largest stablecoin, Terra, the this algorithmic stablecoin we're going to be talking about, has decided that instead of being worth a dollar, it's going to be worth I think 30 cents. It was at 30 cents recently. So yeah, that has contributed more broadly to a bit of panic in the crypto ecosystem. Right. Very decentralized system that basically, uh, you know, falls at the knees of a single stable coin going down. Yeah. Yeah. Just like every good decentralized system, one thing failing takes it down. Right. Of course. Right. (laughs) Now, what we've discussed on this show, stablecoins, and I've been meaning to get around to people. If you are familiar with what a stablecoin is, you've probably heard of the most controversial of them, and that is, well, previously the most controversial. I'm sure that'll change a little bit now. Uh, Tether, and I've been meaning to get to the Tether episode, but so many things happen. I haven't done that yet. So, for people who don't know what a stablecoin is, can you just summarize what exactly is a staple excuse me a stable coin and how does that differentiate from like a cryptocurrency like uh, bitcoin or ether or dogecoin sure so um 
stable coins are cryptocurrency tokens that are pegged to a specific currency. Um, the vast majority of them are meant to always be worth one dollar. There's a few that are meant to be like always worth one euro or something like that. And a few more that are meant to be like always worth one ounce of gold. But the general concept is it's a token that's supposed to keep its value the same as everything else. Within this category, there's a few other like subcategories. You mentioned Tether and that's uh, part of a category that I sometimes call bank coins, fiat coins, asset coins, they're basically glorified money market funds where they buy a bunch of stocks, bonds, commercial paper, dollars, treasury, and nebulous other assets and put them in various accounts and create a token that is nominally at least worth a dollar. Tether has done a very poor job over its history of making sure that they had the assets they told people they had. Uh, some of their competitors have done a better job, like Paxos and Circle. Um, then you move into some of the more decentralized stablecoins, and there's a few different models for these. There's what I call the debt-based stablecoins. These would be ones like MakerDAO's DAI token. For these, you put up extra collateral. So like, say you'd put up $150 worth of Ethereum and you'd get back $100 worth of DAI. You can use that DAI as though it's worth a dollar. And then if you want to get your Ethereum back, you pay the loan. So you pay back the hundred plus a small interest rate, you get your collateral. Um, those are a little bit safer than ones like Terra because they're over collateralized. There's more collateral than there are tokens in circulation. And so it's at least theoretically possible for the protocol to liquidate those positions and protect itself. Terra is what's called an algorithmic stablecoin. These are effectively collateralized by no real assets and are mostly a faith-based game. Terra in specific works in a two-token system with the governance token Luna. Luna is a token somewhat analogous to Ethereum, which you mentioned before, where it's the base token for the actual blockchain itself. It's used to pay the transaction fees, to pay the swap fees, and actually interact with the blockchain itself for the Terra ecosystem. Because Luna has some amount of value, or at least did before we started recording, had some <laughs> amount of value that the market ascribed to it, they were able to use it as kind of this pseudo-collateral for this derivative token, this stablecoin they called Terra. Um, nominally, there's like 200 different Terra stablecoins representing a ton of different currencies. Really, there's just Terra USD because that's the only one that saw any serious adoption. Um, and these effectively work by allowing you to trade one of the stable token for a dollar worth of the governance token, or a dollar worth of the governance token for one of the stable token. And so as long as people continue to believe that the governance token, Luna in this case, is valuable, then it makes sense that the derivative of it, Terra, the stable token, would remain somewhat valuable. And so, uh, Stable coins differ, to go back to the original question, from tokens like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Dogecoin. Because Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Dogecoin are the base tokens meant for interacting with a blockchain and are expected to be volatile as the demand for them changes on a day-to-day -day basis. Stable coins are meant to not be volatile. They should always be worth whatever they're pegged to. Now, why uh, – you gave a lot to, to us there. Um, let, let, let me try to, uh, I guess, break it down a little bit further um, because, you know, very well explained. But, you know, uh, for people 
uh, maybe like myself, who aren't quite familiar with all the different types of stable coins, I'm going to try to go the route of comparing it to Tether. Uh, so Tether's whole basis is basically it is pegged to the dollar value because every one Tether is backed by one U.S. dollar. Even though we know that that's not technically true, that is, and well, that'll probably the next be the next house of cards to fall. We'll we'll soon find out. But that is the explanation that they use as to why Tether will be pegged to a dollar at all times. Yeah, largely. Um, they've argued in court that they shouldn't actually need to keep the full backing of a dollar for every token, and that what really makes it valuable is that it's redeemable for a dollar's worth of assets. Um, but yeah, largely their principle and their promise is we're going to keep a dollar worth of something for every tether we put into the market. I mean, can't every stablecoin just argue that, regardless of what like the backing of it is, whether it's an algorithmic stablecoin? Can they just argue that people buy it for a dollar, so it's worth a dollar? They kind of do. I mean, that's kind of like the principle of algorithmic stablecoins in general, is that if enough people believe this thing is worth a dollar, then it'll keep being worth a dollar. And we put this little bit of a mechanism so that if it gets a little bit off a dollar, it'll hopefully come back to a dollar. And that works until it doesn't. Right. So, so, so before, you know, before Tether is able to, you know, was able to uh, try to explain why it just prints up billion dollars every now and then and doesn't actually have a new billion dollars flowing into its bank, a billion U.S. dollars flowing into its bank account. Um, the, art, the, the, the basis is basically, though, that it is backed by a U.S. dollar, taking away the most recent stuff with Luna and um, Terra. You're saying that the uh, Terra claims to be worth a dollar because it's backed by another magic coin that they just created a whole cloth out of nothing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. And so how is it that um, so so but Luna can be volatile like luna could be worth like people can make money in or previously could make money investing in luna yes yes and many did how um, does that the bench, how does that work they buy it and later someone might want to pay more for it and if someone wants to pay more for it in the future you can sell it for more than you paid for it but what um, makes these, what makes luna valuable the fact that it just backs Terra? That's that's the largest driving thing. There's a tiny bit of arguably intrinsic value in it in that you can stake your Luna with validators on the actual like Terra chain, the actual blockchain itself. And in doing so, you get your portion of the fees paid for interactions with the smart contracts and your portion of the swap fees as people go from Luna to Terra or vice versa. And so you get a little bit of incoming revenue from those. But you might accurately note that the only time you're really getting much from either of those two things is when Terra is valuable and people want to be making that exchange or using the thing. Okay, so Terra is valuable, though, not by its the coin spiking in price or something because it's always supposed to be supposed to, I want to stress supposed to be pegged to a dollar, but Terra becomes valuable by just more people using it as their stable coin of choice. The, 
The Terra ecosystem is meant to get more valuable as more and more people buy in and use the Terra token. The Terra tokens themselves don't appreciate, but you can do a lot of things with your Terra token that might make you money. Um, one of the biggest examples of this was the Anchor Lending Protocol, which was built on top of the Terra chain and has been like the largest driver for the growth of Terra. And so the reason that's been such a large driver for growth is because Terraform Labs, the company behind Terra, has been giving the Anchor Protocol extra money so that they can pay people who lend the token extra. They've been seriously subsidizing the lending rate far above what the market borrow would actually dictate. And so if you had your Terra tokens, you could deposit them in Anchor and get like a 19% interest rate or something like that. And so a lot of people were incentivized to get Terra so that they could get this easy 19% interest rate. May I ask you where Terraform gets this money to be uh, funding this? Yes, of course. Uh, back in February of 2019, Terraform Labs created a billion Luna out of thin air and performed an ICO. Uh, 30% of these tokens were put aside and kept for Terraform Labs. 26% were sold to about a dozen different venture capital firms at prices of either $0.18 cents or $0.80. Cents. And then the remainder, 44%, were sold to the public in this initial coin offering. And so Terraform Labs has the funds they raised from selling the 44% to the public, the 26% to the venture capitalists, and the funds that they can get from using the 30% they put aside for themselves. So this is a third token now. No, no, no. This is the Luna token, the like governance token for the chain itself. They created at the beginning, back in February of 2019, a oh, billion okay. of them, sold a bunch to venture capitalists, kept a big chunk for themselves, and sold the rest to the public before they actually like started the chain. Got it. Got it. And so because they had such a high holding of a large percentage of Luna, as Luna rose in value, they, I guess, then sold off? Yeah, yeah, they've, they were able to, um, well, they didn't always necessarily even sell it. Lots of times what they were doing was taking the Luna, converting it into Terra, the stable token, and then using that token to provide liquidity to a bunch of other DeFi projects. Um, for example, there was this one project on the Ethereum chain that was run by uh, Danny Sesta and noted financial criminal Omar Dahani called uh, Abracadabra which had this... A great name for a financial product, by the way. I, I <laughs> yes. trust wholly in a financial product called Abracadabra. Poof, make it disappear, baby. <laughs> well, and Abracadabra is used to mint a stablecoin called Magic Internet Money. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> Abracadabra had a subunit called the Degen Box. And what the Degen Box would do is go through the anchor lending market that Terraform Labs was subsidizing 10 times. So lend and then borrow, lend and then borrow, lend and then borrow, lend and then borrow, rehypothecating each time they go through so that they could leverage up, get 10x leverage effectively on this guaranteed 19% yield that was being subsidized with the ICO funds from, the, from Terraform Labs, effectively. And yeah, and so... Things like that helped grow Terra quite quickly because a 19% interest rate is an absurd number. 
Right. I mean, it, I was going to say originally when you were explaining to me that it sounds uh, very Ponzi-esque. And then you told me this secondary uh, thing with the uh, the abracadabra and magic internet money. And it's now like we're going in inception here and going with a Ponzi within a Ponzi. And uh, that's that's part of why collapses like these have so many knock-on effects is because in DeFi, in decentralized finance, there's the idea that each of these pieces should be composable. You should be able to take a primitive, a token from another protocol, integrate it into yours and create more derivatives, more financialization, more of these products. And so you'll start with a stablecoin like Terra, which people expect to be worth a dollar because it's supposed to always be worth a dollar. And so they'll design their protocols around the assumption that this thing is going to be worth a dollar. And then suddenly that thing is no longer worth a dollar. And so the collapse of Terra doesn't end up just taking down Terra. It, en it ends up taking down any protocol that integrated Terra with assumptions that it was going to be worth a certain amount. And so the that composability that's often described by crypto advocates as one of the strengths of decentralized finance also results in kind of like... Uh, 2008, where like the original mortgage-backed security bonds were a relatively minor risk. But once you put them in tranches, put them in the CDOs, put the CDOs inside of other CDOs, a small break in the underlying, the mortgage-backed security, the mortgage-backed bond itself causes these cascading failures through the extra layers of financialization that have been built on this base product. And so that's why, like, why it's so important that if you're using a stablecoin that it's actually stable and why algorithmic stablecoins like this that are unsustainable have a habit of doing collateral damage. Right, right. I mean, I'm guessing Abracadabra lived up to its name. Uh, I'm, they had a bunch of liquidations over the last couple of days. I haven't checked to see how they're holding their peg, um, but they... Uh, I imagine they're not doing as well as they were. And, and I mean, they, they've already been struggling for the last several months ever since it was revealed that their treasurer was a Ponzi schemer, identity thief, and co-founder of Quadriga CX. So they've had a rough few months already. So this right. is just, you know, adding insult right. to injury for the Frog Nation. What's the Frog Nation? Oh, that's what they call themselves. They all, they all use frog profile pics and uh, like Pepe? call themselves the Frog Nation. Or so, uh, like Pepe, the, like, yeah, like like the right Pepe's. wing frog. Oh, oh, yep. beautiful. Yeah, these guys do a great job of making it seem like they're not at all far right wingers or libertarians. <laughs> yeah, they, they do sometimes use symbols that are uh, uh, certainly suspicious. Right. Either they and, don't know or they do, and right. neither one's very comforting. Right. I've noticed a, a trend over the years of the various, even like the the words they use, the gen, friends, with a F-R-E-N-S, hold the I and D. Yeah, it seems like they're uh, pretty open with it. Um, now, speaking of uh, interesting founders, let's talk about the founder of Terraform and Terra and Luna. Go ahead. So, yes, that's Doquan. I know you're a big fan. I know you're a big fan. <laughs> I, I am. I, I've been blocked by him for the last several months <laughs> since I wrote my report on his protocol. But, yeah, so Doquan is very much a crypto degen who uses the 
he's got a bit of charisma, and that that's kind of hard to deny. Hard to deny, and he's good at getting a lot of people to follow him, to get enthused about his ideas. And when he's on Twitter and when he's interacting with these things, he plays very much to like the archetype of a crypto degen. So insulting people, calling things fud, uh, and things like that, playing into kind of that archetype. And he is the driving force behind Terraform Labs, behind Terra and Luna has been subpoenaed by the SEC, to which he decided to sue the SEC, saying that they can't subpoena him. Um, And, yeah. Oh, and we also learned today, today, thanks to some reporting by uh, Sam Kessler and Danny Nelson over at Coindesk, that while he was at Terraform Labs and creating the Terra and Luna algorithmic stablecoin, he also adopted a pseudonym, Rick Sanchez, and created the Basis Cash algorithmic stablecoin on Ethereum. That also catastrophically failed and was a fork of a previous failed algorithmic stablecoin Basis, which was created by uh, Nader, who's also the guy behind BitClout, the really shitty uh, decentralized social network protocol. And so, yeah, even while Doquan was trying to make Terra, trying to make Luna and get this whole thing started, he couldn't stay focused on that and had to go try out a second algorithmic stablecoin, you know, just for fun. Right. I mean, I could see, uh, you know, a, a an eclectic startup founder working on multiple different startups, but probably not one that competes with the other directly. Um, yeah. 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 That, that, yeah, that doesn't seem great. Right. It Does doesn't seem like seem you trust ideal. that, you know, you're, you're, it's a crapshoot. You're basically rolling the dice and hoping one's successful and uh, hoping that the people who trust in you, uh, well, you're probably, you probably don't care, but the people who trust in you, I guess, by sheer luck, need to pick the right one. Yeah. Right. And it turns out neither was. <laughs> neither was the right one. Uh, and also he used a pseudonym, which also, uh, in the business world, I like my CEOs and founders to be completely anonymous. Always, it always works out it great. Ju- it just adds that extra level of assurance. You know that they're safe because no one can come after them because they don't even know who they are. And really, executive safety is the paramount issue to me when I'm investing. Right. I mean, if the SEC can't find who you are to uh, file some sort of notice, I mean, what can they do? What was the SEC's, uh, among the many I'm sure they had, what was the SEC's uh, issue that he, they went after Doquana with? See. Yeah, and that's actually the interesting part, because they have not, as far as I've been able to tell from the reporting, gone after him yet for the actual ICO of Luna, or anything related to, like, the Terra stablecoin. The subpoena seemed to be related to the Mir protocol, which was another protocol built on top of the Terra chain that allowed people to issue synthetic assets. And so using this protocol, you could, for example, create a token pegged to the price of Tesla stock and then trade it as if it was Tesla stock, to which the SEC said that seems clearly illegal. And then Doquan said, no, it's illegal for you to subpoena me. And that's where we're at. I love the idea of not content with just building their own uh, financial system out of nothing, backed by nothing. They're also like, we're also going to just invade the stock market and just decide to uh, create our own fork of every stock we want. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, the, Tara and Doquan kind of just 
looked at the existing financial system and said, well, they already do fiat, so we might as well just issue our token by fiat and say it's valuable too. And stocks already exist, so let's just copy those and make our own. And yeah, and uh, then he decided Bernie Madoff had years of success, so we might as well try subsidizing our investor yield too, so we can have years of success. And now we're here. Right. So what exactly is going on with Terra and Luna right now? Like, what is causing the collapse right now instead of, you know, last year or next year? Yeah, uh, it's really challenging to predict when a system like this is going to collapse because it is so much a game of maintaining and keeping the confidence and the faith. Um, And so it can be challenging to figure out what's going to break or shake that confidence. Um, like a week ago or two weeks ago, Anchor announced that they were going to drop their yield slightly, which we saw some Terra start leaking back out of the system at that point, which might have been enough to start losing some confidence. Really, would I... Uh, and then we saw the first kind of minor peg break down to like 99 cents or whatever on Saturday night, which ended up recovering by Sunday morning. But I think that that had started to lead us into what's called the algorithmic death spiral. And so, as I mentioned before, algorithmic stablecoins are effectively collateralized by the base token, in this case, Luna, right? And so the way this arbitrage mechanism that's supposed to keep it at peg works is when you when Terra stops being worth a dollar, so let's say it's worth 95 cents now, you're supposed to be able to go to the protocol, exchange that 95 cent token for a dollar worth of Luna, which is newly minted. The issue with this is that when the Terra peg breaks and you have a lot of people trying to do that, if the price of Luna is also crashing, you end up creating more and more Luna and selling it into a market that's already losing faith, which can accelerate that price decrease, right? And so as people started to lose faith and as we started to see Terra begin to lose the system, we saw more and more Luna get minted, which started to seriously depress the price of Luna. Doquan had somewhat anticipated this eventuality. And so a couple months ago, he had announced that he was going to form a separate foundation called Luna Foundation Guard, which they were going to use a bunch of their ICO funds, um, a bunch of Sounds Luna like a, they still like a... held from the ICO. They were going to sell it to some more venture capitalists and market makers to buy billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin that they were then going to use as this reserve so that they could give it back to market makers when they needed to so that market makers could do open market operations to defend the peg. Effectively, buy up, bring this back to peg, do what you got to do, spend these Bitcoins. So the idea with this is that by having that reserve, when Terra started to break peg, they could use those Bitcoins in reserve to bring it back to peg without having to mint more Luna and hurt the Luna price. The problem with this is... uh, Bitcoin was also crashing at the same time because Bitcoin and Luna are extraordinarily correlated assets. So when Bitcoin goes down, everything goes down. So they started trying to use the Bitcoin reserves to stabilize the peg, but then you're selling, you're effectively selling, might be short, might be whatever, but you're effectively selling Bitcoin into the market, hurting the price of Bitcoin, which hurts the price of every asset correlated with Bitcoin, which puts you back at the same place. And even best case, 
if Doquan and Terraform Labs had had enough funds available in the reserve to restore this to PEG. You can only do that so many times before you run out of money, right? And every time that PEG breaks, it's going to take more and more to restore the faith and confidence in people that this thing actually should be worth a dollar. And so, for whatever reason, enough people started to lose that faith and confidence that the existing mechanisms were inadequate to bring it back to PEG against the colossal loss of faith and confidence in the system as a whole. Right. How did he not... I mean, this is a guy who... For, you know, whether his uh, intentions were good from the get-go, which I don't think it seems like that, or, you know, whatever, he does seem to be like a guy who gets the crypto market. I mean, you have to be to be able to, to pull this off. Uh, how did he not uh, think that, uh, like, like the, you said the, uh, the uh, Luna Foundation Guard, which I was going to mention, sounds like... Like a bitrate, like sea level, like Marvel Comics character from the nine, like group from the nineties. Um, how did the how did the idea for the Luna Foundation Guard being, you know, having that reserve of Bitcoin? How did he not plan for the idea that Bitcoin will go down along with everything else? Like that's usually how it works. Very rarely do we see um, that not happen. I think. And this is somewhat supposition, but I think that his goal with purchasing the Bitcoin was less about actually trying to stabilize the Terra peg and was more about two things. One, being able to point at a thing and say, you don't need to worry about algo death spirals. Those affect other coins, but we've got $10 billion worth of Bitcoin. So we're a special algo stable and you don't need to worry about us. And the other reason was so that Bitcoiners were in this tenuous and uncomfortable position where they had to be careful about what they said about Terra, Luna, and the Luna Foundation Guard because they don't want Doquan to market sell billions of dollars of Bitcoin and hurt the price of their asset. So by going out and purchasing this, Doquan effectively tries to integrate Terra into the broader crypto ecosystem and make it so that if Terra falls and they have to use this Bitcoin to defend the peg, they might take the rest of the crypto market with them. And so the crypto market is incentivized to try to defend Terra. And then he took this one step further by trying to do a similar thing with a swap with the treasury and getting a bunch of avalanche tokens to try to integrate the avalanche ecosystem in the same way, where now if they want to criticize Doquan, Terraform Labs, and the system as a whole, they're in a position where it could end up hurting their own investment. And like the steel man, good faith version of what they're trying to do here is that they recognize they can't indefinitely subsidize the demand. They can't keep paying out the yield forever and ever to keep the demand growing. And so they had to find other ways to incentivize people to defend this unsustainable system, to want to keep this going. And so they were effectively trying to like buy off or buy in the rest of the crypto ecosystem to get enough like exogenous demand and liquidity that the system could survive even when they stopped doing the unsustainable things. And so I think it was less about him trying to like make a mathematical decision about what made sense for the peg in like this isolated system and more of like a bet about what kind of influence they could buy, what kind of power they could buy by doing this in terms of like the social dynamics of the cryptocurrency ecosystem. Now that is sort of, I mean, that, what, what's interesting about that is, you know, basically that's a, 
that's quite the uh, the the move to force other crypto advocate like advocates and investors of other cryptocurrencies to have to ostensibly support yours because you've bought up so much of theirs that if you decide to sell off they are going to lose out too how does that um how does that tie in with what i've seen i've seen some some speculation um frankly some straight up conspiratorial theories uh, about what exactly was this like a planned attack on Terra and Luna? I've seen, I think, one of the more uh, interesting ones. And by interesting, I mean out there because um, crypto people, along with like the meme stock folks, they seem to, uh, you know, do the old uh, 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 the, the, the joined fist meme uh, on Citadel. They seem to believe that Citadel and BlackRock is another name I've seen. Again, not good or companies. I'm not like, you know, cheering them on, but this theory does seem out there. Um, Citadel and BlackRock planned this attack on Terra and Luna because they had recently invested big in some other stable coin. Now, what I'm asking is, does this seem like a planned attack of any sort? Or is this just something that just sort of was going to occur at some point. So I think it's quite possibly both of those, a planned attack that was likely to occur at one point. If you put a big box full of money on the corner, put a sign out that says this thing is full of money, eventually someone might try to break open the box to get the money out, right? And so it's quite likely that some entity saw an opportunity to make money by taking advantage of the poorly thought through mechanics of the system. But is that a fault of the poorly, like, is that a fault of, the issue with calling it an attack is makes it seem like if everyone had just been playing fair or whatever, Terra would be fine. But like an attack on Terra to make a profitable trade is a fair thing if you want to have this anarcho-libertarian code is law ecosystem. Like that means you need to think about how these protocols perform when they're under attack. And it, you see this a lot in the cryptocurrency ecosystem where the other person they love to spread conspiracy theories about, likely perhaps related to the right-wing influence we were talking about before, is George Soros, right? Is George oh, Soros... Soros behind is everything. behind this? Soros isn't likely <laughs> behind this, but Soros is funding all the people who would be behind this is generally how the theory goes. Uh, and like, so, well, so BlackRock and Citadel needed George Soros' money because they don't have enough of their own, I'm assuming. <laughs> the, the theories get convoluted at times. But like... The way George Soros made his money initially was by attacking a pegged asset at the Bank of uh, London or at the Bank of England, right? Was by attacking the pound peg. And yet, despite the fact that they love to center that figure in their conspiracy theories, they seem to forget about the lesson that should be learned from his story, which is that if you create a pegged asset, it can become profitable to attack it. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's possible that there is some big entity that saw an opportunity to make money. I don't think it is anyone who was invested in another stablecoin, especially another algorithmic stablecoin, because I think shaking the faith of the entire investor market in the largest stablecoin does not actually make your stablecoin look that much more appealing. It's more likely to make people go, mm, are you sure you're not like that other stablecoin right. I've been hearing all about? Right. It's not now, just I don't trust Terra. It's now I don't trust stablecoins. Exactly. Now, there is another theory going around that one of 
some entity, Citadel, Fir Tree, BlackRock, whoever, had set up a large short on Bitcoin and had used this attack on Terra as like an indirect attack on Bitcoin to get their Bitcoin short to pay out. So open up a short position against Bitcoin, wait for that to start to fall, pull a bunch of liquidity from the Terra ecosystem, sell into that to get a temporary peg break, wait for that to start feeding into itself, so sustain that until the death spiral starts. Luna Foundation Guard then starts to deploy their Bitcoin reserves to defend the peg. And as they're selling that, using that, the price of Bitcoin keeps going down. And so by attacking the Terra ecosystem, you could end up kind of attacking the Bitcoin ecosystem and plausibly end up with a Bitcoin short in profit. I've seen a lot of theories going around on Twitter. I've read a lot of the theories. I've seen very little evidence or documents to suggest that any of these theories are true at this point. Um... There's plausible mechanisms, there's plausible culprits, there has been a lack of evidence at this point. And I think that an attack does not disprove the idea that these schemes are unsustainable or flawed. Right. Because what you're saying is that, you know, again, the word attack probably sounds loaded to some people to specifically mean something like nefarious. But what basically what happened here was someone just saw a you know a flaw in a system that's a, a fair game not something where they're breaking into something hacking something taking advantage of something that uh they needed to do something illegal or nefarious to do they literally saw an opening that was the error of terra uh and uh, terraform i should say and uh they just took advantage of this completely legitimate way of making money off of taking down terra and luna yeah, I think that's the more plausible case because the entities that I can think of that would be motivated to like do an attack because they want Terra to hurt are often ones that would that where that kind of destabilization, that kind of loss of face, that kind of loss of confidence is going to hurt them more than it would help them by taking out a competitor. And so the most likely people who would want to attack it that I can come up with in my head are major hedge funds, major market-making firms that see an opportunity to break the poorly thought-through system and in so doing make their money. Right. Now, I got to ask, does anyone know where Ricky Sanchez is during all this? He might be behind it. <laughs> he's uh, he's <laughs> supposed to be announcing his recovery plan any minute now. It keeps <laughs> being delayed. Every few hours he tweets, it's coming soon. Any minute now, we're going to hear how Tara's going to recover. So I'm just waiting with bated breath to see what he's got. Right. So he, I love his, uh, I love Duquan's, uh, people who, who maybe lost the plot there. I was using the synonymous, the pseudonym, excuse me, that uh, Duquan was using, Ricky Sanchez, when he was running that other stable coin. But um, Duquan, by the way, he has a great Twitter name, uh, Stable Quan. Good job, buddy. Uh, he, uh, he, uh, he's been tweeting through it. He's been really, I mean, at first it was like steady lads. I'm going to, and then it was like, I'm going to deploy something that's going to turn this ship around. And then I think it was like last night he was saying like, we're headed in the right direction any minute now or something like that. And it just keeps, uh, Terra just keep and Luna just, just keeps falling. Yeah, yeah. None of his claimed solutions seem to be helping. Do we know what those kinda... do we know what those claimed solutions are, or is that just him running his mouth? There's a few things they could do to try to save the system. Like they could burn a bunch more of their funds, try to increase that anchor yield 
even higher to try to convince people it's worth holding Terra and taking a chance to get that yield. They could burn through the rest of their reserves doing open market operations to try to buy up enough to get back to peg. Um, and they were yesterday, according to reporting by the block, trying to organize a sale to do that, where Jane Street uh, jump and briefly was claimed Celsius, but they appear to be out of the deal, were working on getting Luna at a 50% discount in exchange for like $1 billion so that they would do some open uh, open market operations to defend the peg. Then Luna fell like another 80% and that deal seems to have collapsed. Um, so yeah, they could use the rest of their reserves. They could try to increase the yield to get keep people to keep it. Or the other option, which is arguably the most moral and the least likely, would be to say, this is not functioning. We're not confident this will ever be functioning in the future. We're going to stop it where it is now and do like a pro rata distribution of whatever reserves we have left, right? Whatever Bitcoin and Luna is still in reserve, we're going to distribute on a pro rata basis and we're going to shut this down or whatever. Um, and that would be the most moral choice because then the current token holders, the one who still have it, have a claim against something at least. Be and to be, to, be, to, to be clear, I, I remember that more likely scenario, but to be clear, I want people to understand this. Like, Do Kwan likely is going to be very fine. He's probably very rich no matter how this went down. He probably has sold off whatever through the years and has made tons of money. Um, what we're seeing now online are retail investors, or at least they claim to be. I think also some of these claims could be just, you know, sarcastic tw uh, Twitter trolls and Reddit trolls. But I also think there's, uh, from what I've seen, also a number, a significant number of real people, too, who are online talking about losing life savings, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, some people are claiming uh, there are suicide hotlines being posted at the top of various crypto forums. People have said they are openly talking about contemplating suicide over ruining their financial future over this. Um, it's it's the people who get hurt from this as we see time and time again. And this is probably one of the bigger ones in in a while. Um, are regular, everyday people who working people, they have jobs, and they put their savings into this because they were sold that this was better than the old school financial system, the stock market, um, you know, bonds. And they buy into it and number goes up temporarily. They're like, oh, this is great. They don't sell because they think it'll go up more because that's what they're being told. Hodl, hodl, hodl. And now they're the ones left holding the bags, as usual. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, and, yeah, and so that's why, like, the best case scenario that I think is unlikely is they say, hold up, this isn't working. We're going to hand out the Bitcoin to all the Terra holders and say, we gave it a try and it failed. Our experiment failed. But what they're actually going to do is they're going to burn the rest of the funds. The system's still going to fail. And at that point, they're going to go, oh, this was just an experiment. How were we supposed to know that this was going to do this? At least we're out here trying to build. It's easy to criticize from the sidelines. We were trying something new, innovative. And all the people who've been in this for a long time will be fine. I mentioned before the VCs bought in at 18 cents and 80 cents. It peaked at like $115. They've all made their money and will be absolutely fine. But the people who were really committed to it, who are just the regular working people who bought in, are likely to be left devastated by this experiment that no one knew how it was going to go. And so, yeah, that's one of the... 
really disappointing and frustrating things that tends to happen when these protocols finally collapse. Right. You know, it's it's interesting, too, to see his uh, people pull up uh, Do Kwan's uh, at Stable Kwan Twitter history where he's doing. The, I mean, this is the the uh, CEO founder of a huge uh, crypto, uh, you know, uh, currency and stable coin. And, and he is out there doing the same, like, degenerate stuff that, like, random, like, Twitter trolls who like crypto do, calling people, you know, oh, have fun staying poor, uh, you know, not going to make it, the usual garbage stuff, mocking people, uh, people's financial situation. And here's this guy doing it. And, you know, I know people are trying to use it against him now, but I think it's important to understand at the end of the day, he won't be staying poor. He, he'll never be poor. He's fine. He's fine. And that's, you know, that's the unfortunate thing. The people who actually should learn in the lesson uh, because they were the ones who orchestrated it and got people who uh, were, were, were told to do that, who were convinced to do that, convinced those people to do it. They're the ones who come out fine and their marks are the ones who lose out. Um, and one interesting thing I guess we can leave on is uh, you, you, I think you, yeah, you shared it. Literally just uh, yesterday, was it? Yeah, yesterday afternoon, as this is all tanking, the Washington Nationals, the baseball team, um, tweets out a video, a Crypto 101 explainer, literally sponsored by Terra. Crypto 101, presented by Terra. Cryptocurrency is not paper money. Cryptocurrency is native to the internet. Cryptocurrency isn't found in a brick and mortar bank. Cryptocurrency is a digital currency bought, sold, and stored online. Cryptocurrency can't be counterfeited or double spent. Cryptocurrency allows for secure transactions without the need for a middleman. Cryptocurrency can be used to buy goods and services or can be saved and invested. Crypto 101, presented by Terra. I mean, is this how was was there a whole marketing campaign that Terra was previously running? And this just was one of the, uh, you know, the the final, I guess, uh, media runs it had to go through. Or is this like something set up basically to try to prop it up? The, the former. Okay. Terra had Doesn't make it any into... better, but the latter yeah. would have been a little bit funnier. Terra, Terra had entered into this major sponsorship agreement with the Washington Nationals where Terra was going to be branded all over the stadium. And they were buying a bunch of naming rights for different parts of things and stuff. And this was announced a few months ago. And as part of this, they'd entered into this agreement with the Nationals for them to do these branded videos and stuff. And apparently the uh, Washington Nationals social media manager wasn't keeping a close eye on the crypto markets as they were going through and posting those, which led to some hilarious reactions to oh. the video when they posted it yesterday. Oh, man. I mean, I guess the one the one bright side for people who uh, have a sense of humor and maybe lost out is uh, go check out that video and when it dropped and... <laughs> It's it's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing, um, yeah. It's pretty terrible, and uh, I can't even. He even used. I mean, I'm thinking about how that lame pun I just made. But Duquan himself is out there calling Luna investors lunatics. I mean, I can't even like. It's it's you can't even. It's one of those situations where like you can't even joke about it because it's too on the nose. They've already done better. They've already outdone you with their sincerity. There's nothing funnier than that. 
Yeah, this is why I think every time I've tried to write any kind of crypto satire or crypto parody or anything like that, it's fallen a little bit flat. And it's because when you get to the point where it's extreme enough to be parody or satire, you've blown past the mark. But if you move even slightly closer to reality than that, you're at a project someone actually tried. And so there's not a large window for effective uh, crypto satire or parody because it's ridiculous. Right, right. Bennett Tomlin of the Crypto Critics Corner, uh, thank you for joining me. This was great. Um, can you tell people where they can find you and your show? Sure. Uh, so I am at Bennett Tomlin on Twitter. Uh, our podcast is the Crypto Critics Corner, and you can find it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are at Crypto Critic Pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and a bunch of other places. We are in a very, very lonely corner of the podcast and YouTube media world when it comes to cryptocurrency. Crypto shows that don't attempt to pump crypto. <laughs> it, is a, it is a small niche. <laughs> right. Very small. So, folks, if you're looking for – listen to Scam Economy and you're like, oh, I need more of this, check out Crypto Critics Corner. Uh Bennett Tomlin, this was great. I hope to have you back on again soon. Maybe you could be my guy who, uh, who breaks down Tether for us. Would be glad to. Folks, I hope you enjoyed this emergency episode of Scam Economy. Support the show at patreon.com slash mattbinder, scameconomy.com for all of the links to the podcast version of the show. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. That's a huge help. Check out the video version of this episode and all the archive episodes at youtube.com slash Matt Binder. Also, check out my other show, Doomed with Matt Binder at doomedcast.com. I had a great episode with Nandani Jami of checkmyads.org about ad tech and how ad tech companies are spying on you and monetizing some of the very worst people on the internet and how your privacy can be at risk due to what those ad tech companies do in a post Roe v. Wade America. Definitely check that out. Twitch.tv slash MattBinder for the post-show live stream, and that also airs on YouTube. Also, if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, why not Connect your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account so you get a free Twitch Prime subscription each month. Basically, you can subscribe to me once a month for free. You basically take a little money from Amazon, give it to me at no cost to you. And if you need a bit of a pick-me-up on this, well, crypto judgment day, I'll leave you with some inspiring words. The unknown future rolls toward us. I face it for the first time with a sense of hope. And I'll see you all next time on The Scam Economy.